0: Here we are once again, episode 54 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this time around, we have the latest edition of the Classic Albums column for December of 2011. This is Judas Priest's Painkiller, an album that older generations pan, or older fans of the band pan, for being too heavy, perhaps? And an album that younger generations, like myself, were turned on to the band as a result of this album. In any event, let's kick things off with a little Scott Travis. His intro, which will be discussed plenty during this episode, and a little bit of the title track, Painkiller. bit of the title track painkiller there and for someone like myself just turned 38 a few months back uh being in high school you know judas priest uh was a band that you know my brother's generation loved you know um we had the uh the live album of theirs priest live had that recorded off of mtv it was cool you know their shows were great and whatnot and um You know, we were all listening to Turbo and then Ram It Down. And, you know, we were hearing some of the fans bitching about the direction that they were going in. And I remember specifically listening to that intro with Scott Travis there and going, Oh my God, what is this? They definitely kicked it into high gear. Um, And you're going to hear John Schaefer comment on this later. For me, the Definitive Priest albums are Painkiller, Screaming for Vengeance, and Defenders of the Faith. I know that a lot of people love British Steel. There are others that really love the stuff that they did in the 70s, and all of their music is great, you know, let's be honest. Uh, I love the Ripper years. I ended up really liking songs off of Ram It Down and off of Turbo as well. But uh, let's be honest, this album really kicked a lot of bands' asses into gear, really changed a lot of things within metal and really opened a lot of eyes. I truly think that this album influenced bands like Kiss to get heavier with Revenge. Um, Other bands that were around, you know, trying to compete to try to stay afloat with everything that was going on with the transition from the late 80s to the early 90s, took notice. And I truly think that this band, or I'm sorry, this album, kicked a lot of bands' asses and made them put out the albums that they were putting out. Um, the, The album is chock full of just great music. There isn't a weak track on here, and it is more the reason to have this album featured this month. Anyway, if this is the first time that you've listened to the Classic Albums column, essentially this is what this podcast boils down to. Um, The column is posted on marzattacksradio.com. It has written comments by people who have submitted their comments regarding uh, the specific albums that form part of this list that we've put together. The list is based on conversations that I've had with musicians, with producers, uh, with different people within the industry over the years. You know, sort of the thing where uh, after the initial interview with an artist is done... You just start, you know, chit-chatting with them about, you know, oh, well, I've seen this tour, I've, you know, been into this album or whatnot, you know, just sort of getting off topic of, you know, that specific band. So this list was pretty much put together uh, based on those conversations, you know, some of the choices are obvious, some of them aren't. There are going to be some people that are pissed off at some of the choices that were made, but... When you have artists say, you know, I hate this album, even though it's considered to be a classic, um, you go with something else. Because if the artist tells you that they don't like it, you know, I don't know, to me it just seems sort of foolish. Anyway, and it also helps, uh, you know, fuel debate. As to which albums should be on here and which albums shouldn't be on here. For example, uh, Spanish guitarist uh, Jorge Salon uh, mentions, and it's up there on MarsAttacksRadio.com, that he likes Painkiller, but to him, Stain Class is his favorite Priest album. Uh, There are others that comment similar things. And uh, briefly, let's just run down some of the people that have lent their comments that you can read right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. There's also aside from Jorge Salon there's um David and um Jorge from Angela Apatrida that um that comment great Spanish thrash band. Uh you also have Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses, Jason Bittner from Shadows Fall, um the author Uh, Greg Prado, we also have Dave Starr from Wildstar, Dan Lorenzo from Hades, we also have Alan Tecchio from Hades as well, Uh, we have Peter Ellis from Monument, we have John Leone from White Wizard, Uh, let's see here, Metal Mike from Rob Halford's band, we have Eric Kluber from Gypsy Hawk, Uh, we have Ricky Armolino from This or the Apocalypse, Uh, We have Mitts from Madball. Uh, Chris Sangarides, very important man because he obviously produced this album. And I'll get to his comments in one of the other segments. Uh, We have Raul Galvan from the Spanish band Mboke. Uh, Let's see here. We also have JL from the Spanish powerhouse Wayne. Uh, We have from the Chilean band and Crucijada which means crossroads in Spanish. We have Gonzalo Leva. Let's see. We have David Lozano from Propaganda. Uh, we also have uh, Sean Bryant from Hull, from the band Hull. Uh, we have Will Carroll from Death Angel. We have... St- Steve Smythe from Currently of Forbidden, he was in Nevermore, Testament, a bunch of other bands, Uh, John Bowden from Halcyon Way, from a bunch of podcasts and blogs that that have lent their comments. Among them, we have from Maximum Threshold, we have uh, Dominic Rini, we have a... One of the Duncan brothers. We have Sean Duncan from DC4. We have Wayne Finley from Michael Shanker's band. We have Tim Ripper Owens, obviously uh, the third lead singer in Judas Priest. Get to his comments in a second as well during one of the other segments. Uh, let's see, what else? We have uh, Anthony Esposito from Ace Freely's band. We have Kirk Winstein from Down and Crowbar and Kingdom of Sorrow for that matter. And um, we have the podcast that you're hearing right now with comments from a bunch of different guests. Uh, we have Glenn Drover, formerly of Megadeth, Doro Pesh, Alan Tecchio of Hades, uh, Gene Hoagland of a bunch of different bands, including uh, Dark Angel, Death Clock. Testament, Fear Factory, etc. etc. Guitarist extraordinaire Dave Reffitt, Martin Popoff, the author. We have John Kadick from Iron City Rocks, the great Mitch Lafon from Brave Words. We have Anurid or Andrew or Andy, however you want to call him, from Metal Assault. We also have John Schaefer from Iced Earth, and kicking things off right now from Talking Metal. We have Mark Striegel. As always, I also want to remind you guys that I do help program Stream A of Mark Striegel Radio. So check out markstriegelradio.com. Uh, also, my radio show Mars Attacks Radio. Dot, excuse me, Mars Attacks Radio airs on Mark Striegel Radio. You can go to MarsAttacksRadio.com and find out all the previous playlists, all the podcasts, all the classic albums, column, so on and so forth. Links to Twitter. Uh links over to iTunes where you can subscribe to all of the podcasts and what else. And you can find links to all of the great blogs and podcasts that have helped out with the classic albums column. So outside of Iron City Rocks and Maximum Threshold, Metal Assault, you'll find things like um Decibel Geek Podcast, uh Metal Sucks, um, Uh, uh, death metal baboon going off the top of my head here and I'm trying to sort of rush along here because I know you guys want to get into the music and into the interviews and get past all of the crap that I'm mentioning so uh, let's get into a little Hell Patrol one of my personal favorites off of this album and then we'll jump into the interview segment with Mark Striegel
1: Priest Painkiller, definitely, you know, an extremely strong album by one of the greatest metal bands of all time. And it's interesting, it came really kind of later in their career. At at that point in most bands' careers, you know, they're kind of just uh, fizzling out and going through the motions. But Priest is a band that really evolved with the times and always seemed to be relevant all the way through the seventies into, you know, the nineties at least. And you know, just such a painkiller was just such a powerful record with so many great songs on it. And really proved that, that priests were still as relevant as any of the new bands coming out in the late '90s or late eighties, early nineties. What year did okay. that come out? Was it eighty, eighty
0: nine? No, I think it was 1991, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, okay.
1: 90, right.
0: So, yeah, it, absolutely what you said, I think, is right on the money. They definitely right. showed that they were still players. and I mean, I think that that album maybe isn't as influential as British uh, Steel or, or maybe Defenders of the Face or Screaming for Vengeance, but I think it really did helped define you know a lot of metal that came out in that time period as well oh
2: yeah definitely twisting
0: All Guns Blazing, coming off of Painkiller, the album that is featured for this month's Classic Albums column right here on Mars Attacks Mars Attacks Podcast. If you've missed out on any of the previous Classic Albums column, you'll find albums such as Metallica's Injustice for All, Prongs Cleansing, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf, Van Halen 2, Tool's Anima. And, last month, Megadeth's peace cells Up next is a former guitarist in Megadeth, Glenn Drover. Uh, he's got an exciting new project that he hinted about while I interviewed him for the actual column. Check his website out, uh, which is glendrover.com. And um, we'll be able to find out exciting news in the near future regarding the projects that he is working on. So without further ado let's get into a little leather rebel and jump right into the Glen Drover segment.
3: Um, I wasn't as fond of of the later 80s albums like Turbo and all that stuff. I felt that after Defenders of the Faith, it kind of I think maybe a sign of the times also you know, the mid to late 80s was uh, things were getting a little too fluffy and stuff as we may remember. Um, And that might be a reflection of that. I don't know. But I mean uh, of course my humble opinion, but um, Painter I thought was a really good return to form. You know, like that should have been kind of you know, the record that came out after Defenders of the Faith, in my opinion.
0: Down track that Davish <laughs> David from Angelus Apatrida, mentioned uh, as being his favorite track off of the album. Uh, let's get into Tim Ripper Owens' comments regarding the album. So he sent along great CD. Really brought the priest back to form. And that was with a lot of the help from Scott Travis. Wow, he was just amazing and gave them the spark that they needed. But everyone was on their game. Amazing guitar playing, bass playing, and singing. Pain. Obvious reference to the end of the song there. Obviously, I'm not going to do it any justice, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, Also, we have from uh, Rob Halford's band, Metal Mike. Uh, Since he's loosely associated, let's get into his comments real quickly. And he mentions, I love this record. It set a blueprint for so many other bands to follow. Bands are still trying to rewrite Painkiller every year, but we all know there's only one metal god. And finally, Chris Sangarides. I really wanted to get Chris Sangarides involved because... Outside of being a legendary and very important producer, he produced this album. So to get his exact take on this was a must. Um, He states, What can I say about a record that I made without sounding like a complete egomaniac? But this record is one that I'm very proud of on many levels. I was in 7th Heaven during this project. It is one of the most cohesive and focused heavy metal albums in my humble opinion of all time. We set out with the objective of making a great recording and that's how it came out. It is so hard to get clarity in the sound when the tempos are so fast, but because of the great arrangements between the instrumentation, we managed to achieve this. It also inspired a whole slew of bands to carry on in that tradition of power slash speed metal. So there you go, the man behind the boards when this album was recorded. So he's very instrumental in the sound that you hear on this album. Unfortunately, I couldn't get anyone from Priest involved. Uh, They're wrapping up a tour, and uh, both their publicist and manager declined any requests that we made, hopefully in the future. We'll be able to discuss this album with someone from the band. Would have been cool to have their comments, but it doesn't diminish you know, how great of an album it is and how great all the other comments that people have sent along are. Uh, in the end, these episodes are just a celebration of music. And as I've said a bunch of times before, uh, if you don't know this album, hopefully you'll go check it out. If you haven't listened to it in a long time, hopefully this gives you a reason to go back and revisit this album. And if you're listening to John Kadick for the first time from uh, Iron City Rocks, for example, uh, you listen to his comments. You like what you know, what he has to say. Maybe this makes you check out Iron City Rocks podcast. Maybe it makes you check out Talking Metal. We had Mark Striegel, you know, earlier on in the show, or anyone else that's involved. You know, the guys from Angelus Patrida, Maybe because they're from Spain, and although they're on Century Media. You don't know who they are, but maybe this makes you, you know, check out, you know, who they are, you know, who the hell is this guy that's commenting on Painkiller, you know? Let me find out more about his band or what he has to do. So, without further ado, we're going to get into some music off of Painkiller obviously. We're going to get into Nightcrawler, a track that I saw them play live on the Epitaph tour, and from there we'll get into John from Iron City Rocks comments.
4: Topic of Discussion, Painkiller from Judas Priest. Uh, I was a little bit older when I got into Judas Priest. They were a little heavy for my taste when I was younger, but uh, now are probably one of my top five bands. Uh, The album Painkiller, uh, to me, was really a point where they went from being uh, sort of a metal band to a heavy metal band. Um, and I think, you know, one would say that that has to be somewhat correlated to the arrival of Scott Travis on drum, Scott, who had played with racer X. Um, you know, the title track painkiller comes at you at like a thousand miles an hour. Um, all guns blazing, uh, which is another great, could have been a really cool album title. Um, I will say that the, standout track for me personally is touch of evil um i love uh rob's version i loved it when uh the ripper sang that song because it has such an eerie feeling to it um and i think it's just a really really underrated metal song um leather rebel um you know it gets a little s&m related maybe but uh <laughs> Not necessarily a standout for me. Metal Meltdown, another you know great 800 mile an hour song, um, Nightcrawler. You know again, there's such a uh, I don't want to say almost sinister um, feeling to this album compared to Ram It Down, um, which had such songs as I'm a Rocker and uh, Johnny B. Good. Which I mean, if, right. if you remember in the period of time when like the video for Johnny B. Good came out. You know, I typically like cover songs. I'm a pretty big fan of that, and I, I love Chuck Berry and I love Judas Priest. So it sounded like a good idea, but in reality, I'm not sure that I felt it. And at that point, <laughs> right. you know, you, you know, all I could remember coming out of of Ram it Down was him doing that big, big go go at the end of Johnny Be Good, and thinking this is this isn't quite right. Um, <laughs> plus, I mean, they had had um, prior to that they had Turbo. Um, which I know a lot of people didn't necessarily care for. Uh, I was actually a big fan of the Turbo album. I think it's a really cool album. It kind of took them in a slightly different direction. But Painkiller really made, you know, a statement in 1990 that said, yes, we are still relevant. You know, you can, you know, kind of compare it to, you know, I don't know exactly when Pantera sort of peaked, but it wasn't too far from that period of time. And and you're right there right. in the same league as far as metalness to it. It was, had a very edgy guitar tone to it. Um, and unfortunately, um, I don't know the exacts of why the band kind of dissolved after that, but uh, it was the last album we had for seven years, so you had all that time that you were like, you're literally thinking this was Judas Priest's swan song, and you're thinking, God, this was such an epic, you know, kind of landmark statement album that this band is is very relevant. You know, they've been around for 20-plus you know, years at that point. Um, and to kind of go out on that, you're like, wow, these guys really went out at the top of their game. And uh, obviously they, they replaced Rob with The Ripper, and uh, that story is well-documented, but... You know, if Judas Priest had called it a day with Painkiller, I don't think anyone could have complained. I really, I... Right. You know, and other than, hey, I want more, you know, because, you know, Scott really infused something into the band. And as big a fan as I am of Judas Priest, I can't name the drummers that he replaced. You know, that's always been a position in Judas Priest where it was like, you know, if Ian Hill hadn't been there for you know, the entire time, I think a lot of people could even overlook Ian Hill, uh, you know, Judas Priest was always Rob, KK and Glenn. Uh, Um, but I think Scott really, you know, injected such a, a life into the band. Um, just great, great stuff. Incredible album cover. Uh, I mean, they're always great with their album covers, but a motorcycle with, uh, saw blades for tires and a, you know, what is it like a wolf's head or something? You know, it's great stuff. Great stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing with Scott Travis, the, uh, the drummer before was Dave Holland. Um, there were so many rumors floating around that he never actually played on either turbo or Ram it down. And I remember hearing in an interview A long time ago, Scott Travis saying that uh, that Glenn and KK um, provided him with what they'd put together on a drum machine, and he said it was so out there that there were things that just weren't humanly possible Uh as far as playing was concerned, and that he would go in and he would, you know, almost hesitantly just go as nuts as he could with the tracks. And then wait to hear back from the other guys to see if, you know, that's what they mm-hmm. were looking for or not. And, you know, to his to his surprise and his delight, you know, he, he was more or less nailing what, what they wanted to hear. But he initially said, you know, things were so out there that he didn't think he was going to be able to, uh, to pull a lot of this stuff off.
4: Yeah, I mean, you have to assume in, in being the guy from Race for X, the guy had the chops. But yeah, I mean... It really, and I'm not a drummer. I, I don't profess to be uh, any kind of critic of drummers, but as a guitarist, I can listen to the album and go, "Whoa, there's something special," right there. You know, whether it was you know a result of the guys raising the bar and him trying to to get up to the bar, or if that was just you know, but that I, I really think that was the biggest difference of this album. So, I right. my hats off to them.
5: Hey, what's up, this is Salenos
1: from Dima Borger and Hey, this is Eric Johnson. Hey, hey, it's Robbie from the Hi, this is Joe Satrehani. Hey, this is Jerry from the Mr. Hey,
2: Headbangers, this is
1: Rudy Sarzo. Hi, this is Steve Morse from Deep Purple. Hi, this is Wild Mick Brown, and uh, I'm the drummer for Doc and Ted Nugent. Hey, this is Inva J Malmsteen. What's up, Andy Six from Blackstone Bride. Hi, this is Paul from Cradle of Films, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
4: IronCityRocks.com. We think you get the idea.
0: There you go, a little promo from our friends over at Iron City Rocks. Before that, we had John Kadick from Iron City Rocks. Moving forward, let's get into another track off of Painkiller. This is Between the Hammer and the Anvil, another favorite of mine off of this album. After this track, we'll get into comments by Alan Tecchio from the band Hades, Seven Witches, Autumn Hour and non-fiction.
1: Not, I just could not believe how heavy and fast some of the stuff was. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I kind of, I mean, I grew up on Judas Priest. You know, Alfred's one of my favorite singers of all time. All, they've written so many classic songs, it's not even funny. And by the time Dan Taylor came out, I mean, prior to that, I really kind of lost interest in them around Defenders of the Faith. So there were a lot of records after that, Ram It Down and Turbo. I came to like later on, but I did not like when they first came out. I just thought they were old and washed up and horrible. And they just got this new infusion of life with Painkiller. I don't know whether it was Travis or what, but uh, something magical happened with that record. And there's there's some cliche, cheesy songs on there, but there's some brutally amazing stuff and some of the highest singing I've ever even... uh, (laughs) I thought Rob should do, Um, aside from fight, you know, I mean, just like ear piercing high notes. So, uh, a great record, great record.
0: Uh, What's your favorite pre song to cover?
1: Ooh. (laughs) I don't know, maybe Beyond the Realms of Death.
0: Okay. Cool.
1: I would maybe say that one. That's a challenge for me, but. Uh, It's definitely one of my favorite songs by them So, you know, that would probably be the pick for me
0: Okay, have you ever covered that song before Or is that something you'd like to cover?
1: Yeah, we've covered it a few times with UD And um, it was, like I said, it was challenging, you know So that's (laughs) that's always cool for me Because I like to push myself and challenge myself And that was one of the harder ones uh, to do for sure
0: a cool song, A Touch of Evil. One of the singles off of the album, There's a video for that, that back in the day got played on MTV all the time, along with The Painkiller, the self-titled track. That actually had more than one video. And there's actually an interesting uh, mashup out there between Painkiller and um, a Lady Gaga's song, Judas. So uh, someone did a, a really... Cool mix-up between the two, and there's a video and everything for that. So uh, let's get into a little Martin Popoff. Martin Popoff is an author, uh, also part of Brave Words there for a while. And um, he's actually got some real killer comments regarding the new Black Sabbath reunion and a bunch of other things with Deep Purple and so on and so forth, uh, go to his site martinpopoff.com and that's popoff spelled P-O-P-O-F-F and let's get into uh, a little bit of, actually we'll, we'll do the intro to One Shot of Glory, we'll play Battle Hymn in its entirety and then jump into the portion with Martin Popoff.
6: is an interesting Priest album. I think a lot of younger kids love that record. I did a book called The Top 500 Heavy Metal Albums of All Time, and I was astounded to see that that record came out as the, the most beloved Priest album, and it was way up there. I think it was like number 13 or something like that. Um, and no question, after a, a couple of stumbles, the, the, the poppy turbo, the sort of forced Ram It Down, they came back with this record that was gorgeously, moltenly recorded by Chris Tangerides. Um, it was super heavy. It had a, a really meticulous, shiny, evil album cover. Um, so I don't think you can fault um, too much with too much of it, but one thing that I've always not liked about it is it was just too sort of uh, kiddie primary color heavy metal uh, lyrically. Um, I just I just found that it was just way too much just being about how heavy metal we are.
0: One shot at glory, another one of my favorite tracks off of this album <laughs> funny enough, listen to this song nonstop going to take a um, going to take a test once, and I passed the test in flying colors and it was funny because it was for a um a technical degree, and the next test that I needed to take. I figured, all right, well, let's play One Shot of Glory again. You know, got to get this in my head. I've got one chance to pass this, blah, 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 this and that. And I failed miserably. So, (laughs) still love the song regardless, but uh, I'll always have that memory attached to it. Um, Up next, Dave Reffitt. Uh, Dave Reffitt has the awesome album Shredding the Envelope out there, or actually... I should say, uh, The Call of the Flame. Uh, he actually sent me an invite for um, an event that he's going to be at at NAM. Um Fortunately, I will not be able to make it, but uh it would be cool to get out to Anaheim nonetheless. In any event, we're going to get into a track that, with the remastered version of Painkiller, uh, there, and actually with the whole unreleased series, I'm sorry, the whole remastered series of CDs has a bunch of unreleased tracks and live tracks. So this is the unreleased track for Painkiller. It's called Living Bad Dreams.
5: I love Judas Priest big time, of course. I mean, it's one of my big influences. And uh, Painkiller, for me, was always the best album. I mean, I love all the 70s stuff and all that, too. But uh, with Painkiller, you know, it was like, wow, man, these guys have really been practicing. You know, like, because I think there were a lot of bands that were kind of lighting the torch into their ass, you know, like like Megadeth and a lot of bands had come along and really changed the game. And um, so on this one, you could tell that they really wanted to up their chops, you know, and, um, go crazy with it. And I think it's some of Rob Halford's finest vo- vocals. I mean, he just kills it like on uh like on one shot at glory, for instance. I mean, like who the hell can sing that other than Rob, you know, that's pretty insane stuff. It's way, way up there. He's hitting some killer notes and, um, and I just love his tone and the whole record, man, just the, the lyrics are great. The production's great. All the songs are badass. The, um, and Scott Travis, too. Scott Travis is insane. Uh, one of my favorite drummers. The, the the control, the precision that he has, you know, with the double bass stuff, he's really going just blasting on there. It's a great record.
2: This is the story of the leather, Rebel. <laughs> Rushing through to the dawn at light The sky is turning red Like a renegade All alone I walk through fire Till the crushing flames I'm living on the edge Start a chain reaction Sears the neon light Stealing all the action Always takes out the rebel, lightning in the dark. never rebel, with a burning heart. Master of the streets, bulletproof and bound for glory. It sits at my feet. I'm turning on the power, running wild and free. No one dares to stand before me. Just enough to rule and the darkest hours. I can see my future writing on the wall. Legend in my lifetime, stories will recall the rebel.
0: other rebel live off of the remastered edition of painkiller and i do understand we've gone through that whole cd technically uh what we're going to do is touch on tracks that are on other live albums that came or i'm sorry that originally came off of painkiller and we'll mix it up we'll add some other classic uh priest tracks as well cuz ultimately you know we're celebrating the music of Judas priest here we'll focus on Tracks off a painkiller, but we'll throw some curveballs in there as well. So, uh, up next, what we're going to do is uh, actually have a little bit of Touch of Evil live, and we'll get into comments from John Schaefer from Ice Thirth right after that. And if you get a chance to see Ice Thirth, do so. I just recently saw them, and they were great. There's a reason why they have a fantastic fan following Especially due to their live performance, so it was one of the better shows that I've seen in in quite some while or quite some time, excuse me. Uh, anyway, here we go, little touch of evil live, and then we'll get into the comments with John Schaefer. <laughs> Painkiller by Judas Priest. That's
5: that was a killer album, man. I remember that because it was uh, it was a nice comeback after Ram It Down and Turbo. So I was really really happy when uh, when Priest really released that. That was badass. Right. That's and it's it's a classic, you know. For me, it's Screaming for Vengeance and uh, Defenders of the Faith and Painkiller are probably my top three. I like some of the older Priest stuff, but the production was just really bad, you know. So it's I love the songs, but right. but, but like
0: the production on those other albums are better right I actually got uh, Chris Sangarides who produced Painkiller to comment and it was funny because he says something to the extent of I don't want to pat my own back but yeah. this album kicks ass you yeah, know? yeah it does it's really cool a little curveball there, coming off of 98 Live Meltdown. That is Ripper Owens on lead vocals, and that is Nightcrawler, which obviously originally came off of Painkiller. Like I said, focusing in on uh, live tracks from songs that originally came off of Painkiller. Sort of twist there, because obviously we had John Schaefer of Iced Earth. Rip owns went to Iced Earth after Judas Priest. Uh was not purposely planned out that way. It just sort of worked out that the songs and the comments lined up in that fashion. So uh up next we have comments from Mitch Lafon from BraveWords.com. Check out Brave Words for all your hard rock and metal news and uh let's see let's get into this this is going to actually come off of the touch of evil live album and the name of this track is between the hammer and the anvil live
3: think it it that will also turn the tides for, for Judas Priest. I mean they went from you know, a lot of people would say they were metal, but to me up until then they were just a hard rock band. And right. that's where uh that's where Rob Halford deserved the name uh the metal god. I mean his vocals on that album are perfect. They are, you know, the highs are high and, and the lows are low and and the growls are perfect and, and you listen to a song like Painkiller and it was just one of those things that, no band had really done before. I mean it, it, it took all the aggression of, of dark metal and, and thrash metal, and and somehow made it melodic. It, I mean it 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 just, you know it just worked. It, it was pleasing to the ear while being a punch in the face. <laughs> right and um i don't think they've done an album uh, that that's been able to mix sort of the classic rock hard rock metal death metal you know and put it all together like they did on painkiller and um uh you know it really it really uh gave rob a um a new claim to the air of metal god i got to say and you know listen. i wish they, i wish they would play that album from front to uh, to back on on some tour soon it would be uh, it would be nice
0: it would definitely be cool um an album that r- really uh, resurrected them and you know as you said i think with every release after that they've tried to capture you know recapture what they did with that album yeah uh, to some extent and it hasn't even come close
3: no and uh and what they were doing before wasn't even close i mean when you go i'm talking about way before when you go back to rockarola and uh, uh all those things they were sort of a and i know people won't agree with this but they were sort of a classic rock hard rock kind of sound right and you know even british steel is not pure pure metal like we know it today right uh it was just it was just heavier tuned than you know what was going on on the radio then but it's not metal like you know Nightwish or or Cradle of Filth or anything like that and painkiller just stepped it up a notch in the spinal tap way of saying it they turned it up to 11 on that album and <laughs> they haven't been able to do it since then
0: a little exciter coming off of Unleashed in the East. We're going to play the balance of this song out. Like I said, we're you know ultimately celebrating the music of Judas Priest. We're throwing in as many live tracks that originally came from Painkiller, but this is Exciter. This is Unleashed in the East. We'll check out the balance of this song and check out comments from Doro Pesh.
7: eighty six together with um Judas Priest it was the turbo and Painkiller, I think that, that song, no long Painkiller, that was like so aggressive, raw. And I was always a big like yeah, a big fan of um, Rob Help singing and it was like ah it was like state of the art and um yeah again Painkiller I think he did yeah. It was a masterpiece for yeah for showing off like the voice and yeah and uh, everything he was standing for and, and the band was standing for and I I loved it a lot and um, it all inspired us actually in the early 80s I think everybody wanted to sound like Painkiller we did actually definitely like the, I I love the. Um, new wave of British heavy metal and yeah and and priest was one of like yeah you know, our main heroes and uh, and painkiller was the shit. <laughs>
2: No, it's not be-
0: Changes. That's coming off of the British Steel reissue. Really cool live track. I listen to that track all the time and think about different Yahoo's telling me that, oh, you know, Judas Priest isn't really metal, man. That's just, like, shit my father listens to. It's like, dude, how can you not... How can you not admit that Priest is metal or that they influence metal? Or listen to Painkiller. That is a metal album. Without a doubt. And they've never shied away from being called a metal band. Unlike a lot of other bands out there. So, um, we're going to listen to the rest of this track. And we're going to jump into comments from Anurid Bansal from Metal Assault. And from there, we've only got a little bit left in the actual... Episode. We have Gene Hoagland coming up after that with his great, great comments, and we'll wrap things up after that. So let's get into uh, the rest of this track and then the comments from Andrew over at Metal Assault.
8: Obviously it marks the the debut of Scott Travis, you know, on drums, and I think that's uh, straight. Just to start out with, that's the that's the most uh, standout aspect of this of this album is the is the drumming, you know, the the legendary painkiller drum intro, which uh, no drummer has ever been able to you know duplicate. After like, even though people have tried, you know, covering that song, but I don't think anybody other than Scott can can do justice to it. And uh, he is actually my favorite drummer of all time. There might be other drummers out there who are more you know sort of quote unquote technically more um whatever you can call him more competent but uh Scott just makes it so easy looks so easy you know it's just so effortless, and that's one aspect that he's is unique to him, I don't think any other drummer looks so comfortable while while drumming you know and i I've seen him perform from like the first row at a priest show that was two years back at the british chill uh Um, you know celebration anniversary tour that they did and i could see for myself what what he was doing like from up close and you know it's just brilliant what he's done on this album and of course the other musicians in priest are in in top form you know as they always as as they were in those days you know in the late 80s early 90s and stuff and painkiller is just a perfect you know uh, what more can you ask for from from a, the start of an album you know the song painkiller itself and it leads into hell patrol which is a very enjoyable song also and then it just goes from strength to strength all guns blazing leather rebel metal meltdown nightcrawler every song just speaks for itself you know between the hammer and the anvil is another very enjoyable and very rocking tune a touch of evil is a, is a classic of course and then one shot of glory as you were just uh Telling me that they played in or in Europe, so that's that's amazing, you know. And and the and the, uh, the artwork also it it uh, represents the the you know the impact and the power of the music, you know the the whole strength. It's it's just so so strong, you know. The artwork also is as strong as the music itself. So there's every reason for any Priest fan to uh, to have picked up the album when it came out in 1990, and it's still equal reason for anyone who has not, you know heard it or who wants to revisit it to pick it up especially if they can find the you know the vinyl version of it which is which would be just killer to uh to look at it in in that you know 12 inch size and i i just hope i find that some someday somewhere you know that would be just killer but um yeah painkiller you know it's just uh terrific and actually one of the first uh Priest uh, songs I heard was was pain the song painkiller so it it has a huge role in uh, in you know becoming in my becoming a dedicated priest fan as well so the, in that regard it's super important for me and I'm sure for a lot of a lot of other people they they feel the same way as well I mean especially people who are sort of you know old but not not very old they, this might have been the first album they would have picked up you know because it came out in 1990 and. That was such a great year for for metal in general. There were such so many great albums coming out, but I think this album still um, pretty much beats all of the other releases that came out that year. And um, now it's 21 years later; it's still still I mean, it Sounds amazing, and again, it just proves the quality of bands like Priest and Motorhead, and you know stuff like that, where they are so ahead of their time when they write the music, and it just stays timeless. And there's no like you know shelf life. As such, you know, to it. It just uh, goes on forever, being liked by by generations and and their next generations. You know, so Painkiller is one of those albums, and a highly recommended uh, metal album, probably um, in my top ten of all time. You know, albums uh, Painkiller and definitely uh, stands up as as good as any other Priest album, and probably even better than any any other album. So there's Painkiller. <laughs>
2: When you feel safe When you feel warm That's when I rise That's when I crawl Pride right in the mist Oddly a sound Bringing the kiss Eagles abound In the dead of night Love bites Love bites In the dead of night Love bites It's your room where it you sleep, that you not still, to you I breathe, then I descend, close to your lips, across you I wail, you smile as I say, now you are mine, in my control, what test of your life, and I own your soul, softly you stir, gently you fall, lost in the air, with the sun Bites. Love bite. Love bite. In the dead of night, love bites, love bites In the dead of night, love bites You will bite fight, you will defeat In the night, nights, the nights, the the nights, fight nights,
0: A little Love Bites, originally off of Defenders of the Faith, and that is coming off of Priest Live. That and the Sentinel off of that was really a toss-up as to which of those two songs I would be including in here. So, I uh, love both of them, both live and uh, the studio versions. was lucky enough to see them play the Sentinel on the Epitaph tour. So, um... We're going to be wrapping things up shortly. We're going to have Gene Hoagland's comments, and we'll finish out with a live version of the track Painkiller. Just want to thank you all for listening, and remember to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to check out everything that's going on with the podcast and radio show. Radio show airs Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, ...on Stream A of Mark Striegel Radio. Uh, if not, markstriegelradio.com. If not, you can always go to marsattacksradio.com. On the homepage, there's a Live 365 widget on the right-hand side. And you'll be able to listen to the radio show from there. Also, on the homepage, just want to remind you that we do have links over to all of the other great podcasts... ...and blogs that have lent their comments to the Classic Albums column... Uh, also have links to our Twitter account and assorted other sites that are associated to what we do here at Mars attacks podcast and radio show and uh, what else send your comments in input at Mars attacks uh, leave your comments right there on iTunes as well tell your friends about these shows and let us know how you feel again leave your comments either right there on the ho- on the website on MarsAttacksRadio.com or send us your comments to input at MarsAttacksradio.com. So let's check out the remaining balance of this song, get into Gene Hoagland, and wrap things up. Thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time are here on the Mars Attack.
7: What a great, what an awesome album. Like, just that was that just roaring back because I was, you know, big, huge priest man up until, you know, screening for Vengeance. Um, and you know, what, what a great album. Great production. I noticed you had Chris Tangarides on your list. And, yep. you know, he's produced a lot of my favorite metal bands and what a great producer he is. Like, the Anvil albums he did, I thought were great. Um, he 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 found a way on Painkiller to get in that left kick drum that was kind of missing from the Anvil Records. But, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, Scott Travis's drumming was great on that album. I've heard many rumors since then that that was a drum machine, and I've always heard that about, um, like, from the Defenders of the Faith era. I guess that was my last, yeah, that was my last favorite Priest album before painkiller because then they started putting out stuff like uh turbo and Ram it down and, and stuff like that and i was always hearing that this was a, a a drum machine doing the drums and you listen back to to defenders of the States and you're like oh okay i could see where this is a drum machine you know i could see that and i've also heard the same about painkiller I'm like i i can't imagine not him playing drums Um, because he's such a killer drummer why would they you know have a great drummer and then but hey maybe they got him after they recorded the record who knows but uh uh, yeah Scott Travis's drumming was great on it the riffing was killer they were listening to a lot of thrash metal at the time because I remember you know reading an interview with Rob Halford man I'm fully current I pay attention to everything that's out there and um you know, you can hear anything from like a suicidal tendencies type riff. And I, you know, I personally thought I heard an Archangel riff on there, but I'm always riff policing anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, you could tell they were staying current and they keep roaring back with that record. What a great record. You know, their guitar playing was always killer. Then it just, you know, I understand that Gwen Tipton was taking lessons from maybe Paul Gilbert or something. And, uh, you know, you could tell his playing just was on fire and, uh, you know the whole album from top to bottom and what a classic what a classic title track you know just what a what a killer record
6: totally
0: absolutely yeah there is. one of the good things about paint killer and i mentioned this yesterday while speaking to someone else is that there's no filler on this album from start to finish all the songs are great and they're all strong and um touching on the the drum machine thing that you said for painkiller. I remember seeing Scott Travis, I think it was on M T V mention how they actually came to him with um everything done on a drum machine initially and he went back and he re recorded it as close to the original uh drum machine as possible. That he said there were certain things that uh that KK and Glenn Tipton had programmed in there that for him weren't humanly possible. Ah. But that um yeah. Well, but, that's very and, cool. Uh, at least
7: that kind of clears up the story a little bit, totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I always have heard that, you know, everything from Defenders on, a good portion of Defenders, all of Turbo and all of Ram It Down were supposedly all drum machines, so.
7: Sure. Okay, well, you know, at least I'm I, I'm not high. I'm not crazy. You know, <laughs> so... That's cool, yeah, but hey man with a great record, Scott Travis, great, you know, and I don't mean to keep uh harping on the drums of all these albums because I do notice everything about all these albums, but just you know sometimes the drums are the things I end up you know rattling on the most about, but uh yeah, his was on there, and it was just yeah, you know, okay, um. Yeah, you know, just being a big fan of the Les Beaks era of of Judas Priest, and you know, seeing what he did and what they did on the live album Unleashed in the East, um, what they did with a lot of the earlier songs, um, you know, like Tyrant and 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 uh, the Ripper and all that sort of stuff, just the, the the metal versions that they finally put on that live record. That's you know, that's my personal favorite. Judas Priest record is a live album and uh, Les Binks was such a killer drummer and having um, you know just having a double bass drummer in the band again was just going to inject all this life into Judas Priest because Dave Holland was he, he had a really great drum sound he's a really solid player but you know, double bass wasn't his forte. He chucked a little bit in in rapid fire, but that was really about it, you know. And then the drum machine took yeah. over. You know, Matt Hines started <laughs> started playing drums for for Judas Priest, and uh, you know, that's that was just cool to see Judas Priest back with a ripping double bass drummer who had all the chops and could play all the stuff really cool.
2: It's the pain!